you got to know what are they looking for. And it's really simple. What, what are nonprofits looking for? Well, they're looking for money and they're looking for volunteers. I cannot believe that we are already in this far into August and coming up to the Raising Money Summit. It's only a few weeks away. I've got a bunch of amazing speakers and I want you to hear from them now. So check out what a couple of them are going to be speaking about at the Raising Money Summit. And I'll see you there October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Hi, I'm Gene Trowbridge, and I'm really excited about being at Adam Adams' uh, presentation on October 3rd through the 5th. I got to tell you something that's happening to me that I'm going to talk about when I'm at that presentation. I go to um, all sorts of events. I'm one of the preeminent uh, securities attorneys in the country, and people stop by my booth, and they pick up a business card. Two days later, I get a solicitation from them to invest in their deal. That's totally illegal. I need to tell you about how you should not do that. My best legal advice to you is don't do that. You don't have a pre-existing relationship with me. You don't have a substantive relationship with me. I'm going to talk about all that. And it's not just me you're soliciting illegally. It's all the other people that you haven't built the right foundation with before you go ahead and ask them to invest. So be sure to be there early on the first day to hear me talk about this because I'm going to keep you out of trouble and then be there at the end of the last day where Jillian Sidoti, my partner, is going to give you a rock star performance that you cannot afford to miss. So I'll see you in Denver, October 3rd through the 5th. Thanks. Hi, everyone. This is Pili Yerusi from Yerusi Holdings. I am so honored to be speaking at the Raising Money Summit coming up in October. Um, at the summit, I'm going to talk to you about how focus gives you more success and how your passive investors will see that and trust you even more because of that, because you have the focus. I mean, all of us know that as investors, if we see that our fellow, inve fellow investor is focused, is clued into exactly what they want and how they're going to get it, we see that and we are attracted to that. So, I mean, think, of the, think about that in the passive investor side. They know what they're looking for. And they see it in you if they see the focus in you. And finding this focus was really, really difficult. Jason and I, my husband and I, went from A to B, which was me getting my real estate license. We started flipping and wholesaling. And I found out that flipping and wholesaling, at least for us, was a job. We weren't investing our time wisely. But we learned how to do real estate. We learned more about the business doing that. We got into small multifamilies. We found a couple in, in Indiana that gave us permission to look out of state, look further than than our hometown with, within like that 30 minute circumference that we were driving to, to do our flips. We found that permission to look further. So from that, Jason saw the possibility of going bigger. Of course, at that point, I was like, oh no, I don't, I can't, let me, let me just focus in on this. Let me, we'll do our flipping and wholesaling and we'll do our small multifamily, but doing a hundred units, 500 units at a time. Wait, what? That's actually possible? 
and we found out that it was. So a year, two years later, we're trying to do everything at once and we just, we just figured out that we can't. And we came to the decision that we're not going to do that anymore. We started dismantling our other businesses and we focused on multifamily and we are on the way up because of it. And I want to show you exactly how we did it and our story that drove us to the point that we are at now where we are all in on multifamily, on large multifamily and finding and offering people the opportunity to join us. So again, this is Pili Yarusi for the Raising Money Summit. So honored to be going there and so honored to meet you. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam A. Adams. And today, we're joined with none other than the Joe Fairless. How are you, Joe? Hey, I'm doing well. Looking forward to our conversation. And I am very much looking forward to our conversation because I've raised a little bit of money uh, by having a podcast. I've raised a little bit of money by having a meetup group, uh, but I've never raised money by volunteering. And I understand that you've raised millions of dollars by volunteering and you sit on the board at Texas Tech University. Is that right? Yep. I, that is right. The, the board of uh, media and communication at Texas Tech University. Okay. And then also you're uh, on the board with Junior Achievement out in Cincinnati? You got it. Okay. So I want to learn. I was actually just reading your book. And by the way, for the listener, I don't, maybe I can make Joe give me a dollar or two when you do this. I don't know. But so far, I don't make any money by telling you this. And let me tell you, let me tell you what makes me so mad about this book. I thought that I had all these secrets that nobody knew. And I, and I would want to charge 40 grand to teach somebody these secrets, but Joe has put them in here and it's only like 50 bucks or less. So hop over to iTunes, look for best ever apartment syndication book. It is way worth you hopping on there and then do me a favor. Cause I like to uh, make Joe think that I have a following do this when, after you get the book and you love the book as I know you will look how thick this is. After you get the book and you love the book, go and leave him a five-star rating on, uh, on the um, Amazon and then say, I'm reading this because Adam Adams told me I should. All right, so do, do us that giant favor so he keeps having to see my name and then maybe he'll put me on his podcast someday. All right, Joe. Haven't you been on my podcast? We've been on, I've been on a couple of times and I'm very yeah, grateful for it. I was, I was <laughs> just given a, a bit of my dry humor, which... Uh, <laughs> which nobody understands, uh, <laughs> especially myself. At any rate, this is all about you and, uh, and all about the listener. And I want you as a listener to be able to understand exactly how to do what I, I, I think it's like around page 200. He's talking about how, how to volunteer. I think it was chapter 26 or something, but how to actually volunteer. He's got some really good tactics. One of my favorite ones was where he told, tells us, that we need to actually find a way to sit on the board. So with, without further ado, Joe, I want you to go from start to finish. How do you find a group that you want to volunteer with? How do you end up volunteering? How do you find yourself on the board? And how do you um, actually make those connections with the other people that are there so that you can raise, like you did, millions of dollars? Yeah, well, I think first let's talk about 
um, there are – first, let's talk about what the mindset sh- can be as a successful entrepreneur. So successful entrepreneurs can have a mindset – or excuse I entrepreneurs can have the mindset of, hey, I want to um, resolve some challenges that come up and I'm going to resolve them by pushing through and doing whatever it takes. Um, other entrepreneurs who are not successful, they might um, have you know, a, a less abundance mentality. And uh, I was reading the book, The 48 Laws of Power. Actually, I've read the book multiple times and I was rereading my notes from The 48 Laws of Power. Robert Greene wrote the book. And one of the 48 Laws of Power talks about when a powerful person um, has a challenge and has hard things that they're coming across, a good solution for that is to give. And when you give, then it puts things in the context of what you're actually being challenged by and what others are currently experiencing in their life. Because uh, someone recently mentioned to me, that they keep the perspective that their worst day is somebody's best day. You know, their worst day in life is somebody's best day in life. And it's absolutely true. So I think first is having the mindset of, of uh, you know, contribution, yes, but also perspective and knowing that our worst day is someone's best day and the best way to um, take care of ourself is to give back to others so that we get filled up with the good stuff that that generates. So first, it's not anything related to a transaction. It's not, hey, I want to volunteer because then I'm going to raise X amount of dollars. It's I know throughout the history of time that when I when people have challenges, if then then they go give to others, then karma, the world, whatever you want to call it, ends up taking care of them. So um, that's the mindset. Now, once we have that mindset, then it's a matter of how do I want to give. You know, I uh, I googled. When I moved to Cincinnati, I Googled volunteering opportunities. I came with a long list. And in that list, I ended up landing on um, one opportunity, which is hospice, which we didn't mention. And I wanted to, um, I, I wanted to be with, with people um, who didn't have others who were visiting them and had, you know, are, are facing a, a terminal illness. Uh, or experiencing a terminal illness. So um, I, I volunteer for hospice. I'm actually going there later today to, um, to visit with a patient of mine. And uh, that is something that there's, I, I don't think there is a, a, a way to raise capital for, um, for that volunteering efforts because I, there's not that I'm aware of, there's not a board for, uh, this hospice organization because uh, this organization I believe is a for-profit organization um, and so it's a private company but then they they work with the government and get subsidized or whatever they do I'm not exactly sure so 
it's important to um, go into it with the right mindset. And in, and in fact, there are some volunteer organizations that there's no way I'm going to raise capital through the volunteering experiences, but indirectly, because I'm doing things that um, are helping others, uh, I'm getting more um, well-rounded as a person and I'm becoming a more well-rounded entrepreneur and getting different perspectives and experiences as a result of it, which will then help me be become a better entrepreneur and real estate investor. Now, that's an indirect way of, of doing it, um, but a more direct way, uh, Texas Tech. So when I was in college, um, I was very involved with the College of Media. Well, I, I was an uh, advertising major, English minor. So I, I was in the College of Media and Communication at Texas Tech University. And I uh, stayed in contact with them afterwards. And then they invited me to be on the board. And then I um, have been on the board for about, mm, about 10 years or so at this point. I had no intention of ever raising money from those relationships because I was not a full-time real estate investor when I joined. But then when I became one, I had an opportunity through those relationships, I ended up raising a significant amount of capital on my first deal. And uh, there's, there's a power in, regardless if it's a volunteer, if it's a board or a volunteer organization, there's power in a community. So for example, if, you're a, if you have a softball team or a soccer team that you play on, if one person is a fan of yours and investing in your deal, he or she is likely going to speak to others about it because it will likely naturally come up in conversation. Therefore, we want to be strategic about the communities that we're, we're involved in. And then um, when you have an opportunity, you can speak to one person, an influential person in that, in that community or someone you have the best relationship with, and then when they're on board with the opportunity that you have, then you can name check them and discuss it with others, assuming that they're okay with it. And because word of mouth referrals are so are, are the number one way to, per, to influence purchase intent, it is likely that other people in the group will be on board as well. So when with Texas Tech University, I um, joined and now have raised uh, millions of dollars through just those connections. And then with Junior Achievement, I was uh, working at my full-time job at the time in, at an advertising agency in New York City, and a, a former coworker reached out to me. She saw I was doing real estate stuff as, as well, and she said, you know what? I think you'd, you'd enjoy Junior Achievement. You should volunteer for Junior Achievement. Uh, I did enjoy it. I got more involved, and then I, uh, you know, I taught like a third grade class, a sixth grade class, a bunch of different classes, moved to Cincinnati. When I moved to Cincinnati, I wanted to be even more involved. And that's when I joined the, the board and have raised a lot of money through those relationships. And so the key here is one, you go in with pure intentions, doing something that you want to participate in, regardless of if you raise a single dollar, you're still getting filled up through the experience emotionally and mentally and, and spiritually or how, however it, it resonates with you. And then when, because when you, when you do that, then you're winning either way, but then you're also enjoying the experience or you're enjoying the giving back component of it. 
And then you're likely interacting with others, other volunteers who have free time or, or rather they've chosen to uh, slice off some time to do this stuff and are probably at different points in their career where they're able to do that financially, especially when you get to the board level. And you mentioned earlier, I wrote, it in the, wrote about it in the book, and that is a key because when you become a board member for an organization that you wholeheartedly believe in, the cause, then you're likely rubbing elbows with CFOs, CMOs, CEOs, presidents, founders, co-founders, and they likely have discretionary income that they can then invest in your deals. Uh, and then when you're, um, when you're tied together through a cause that you all believe in, it's a much stronger connection than if, it's, if you meet someone at a real estate meetup which is a great place to meet someone. But when you talk to the someone about, hey, um, let's go teach some underserved kids in a fifth, like, fifth grade classroom together, I mean, you bond a whole lot differently than when you're talking to them over a beer at a bar uh, and you're discussing apartment communities. Cool stuff. So th- you did say the first one was having the right intentions. Um, I didn't get a clear second thing. Was that just sitting on the board or well, did, yeah, did I miss yeah. so, so the process is as follows. Um, one, having clear intention, having, having pure intentions, going with the right mindset, number one. Number two is uh, then you identify where you want to put those pure intentions based on what your interests are, what you want to do, what you want to um, who you want to influence or who you want to spend time with. Uh, so two is identify. Um, three would be just go do it, volunteer, get on the ground level. And then when you're on the ground level, you're doing it. That confirms that you uh, are experiencing what you thought you'd experience when you, when you selected this volunteer activity. And then number four, you then uh, seek out a board opportunity because then you're, you're meeting with the CMOs and the CFOs. Uh, and then at that point, it, it's, it's up to you to maximize the opportunities through um, having genuine conversations with the people there, being true to who you are, um, just getting involved, and then you know, having, the, having the relationships grow. Let me ask you, how, how can somebody get on the board? Because depending on the organization, there might be a lot of people volunteering and only a few spots slated to even be available as board members. And some of the people, just like you already mentioned, you've been on the board of Texas Tech uh, for 10 years, going on about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't sound like there's a whole bunch of turnover. So are there some strategies that the listener can take from what we're talking about on that they can actually find a way to sit on the board or or be invited on the board or ask to be on the board or make a new spot for the board so that they can sit there and not have to wait 10 years for you know somebody to drop off yeah there's the first thing we do when we're um, looking to uh, for any opportunity is we we need to know what the the decision maker wants and uh, this is not only for being on a board, but it's also when you buy a deal or when, when you're um, talking to investors about an opportunity, you got to know what are they looking for? 
And it's really simple. What, what are nonprofits looking for? Well, they're looking for money and they're looking for volunteers. That's, that's, that's it. I mean, you know, there, there might be a third category for some, um, some special nonprofits, but by and large nonprofits need money and they need volunteers. So, uh, the valuable board members who are on the board, because by and large, most boards of nonprofits, you've got 90% of the people not doing a thing except for attending board member board meetings and just listening to a bunch of stuff that really doesn't apply a whole lot to the members. It's just, it's just a bunch of reporting nonsense. And then you've got a small percentage of people actually doing things, volunteering, making a difference, raising money, investing their money, et cetera. And anyone who's on a board is shaking their head. Yeah. There's probably about 10 to 20% of people on the board I'm thinking of, and I'm pretending I'm the person listening who do stuff, raise money, invest money. Uh, and then the majority of people, they attend meetings or they don't attend the meetings at all. And they just don't do much. That's just how it is. And you know what? That's how life is too, pretty much. So that, that's all right. And so when we know, go that knowing in, then we know, okay, we've got to show that A, we can bring money or uh, donate money, or B, we can bring volunteers or we'll volunteer ourselves. And most of the time, volunteering, volunteering yourself isn't going to be enough to be on the board. And depending on how much you're looking to donate, that may or may not be enough either. So that's why you'll find board members be the HR director so that they can bring volunteers for their very large company, the CFOs, so they can uh, reallocate some funds to the nonprofit. And you'll, you'll find a lot of large corporations have people because of those reasons. So as an entrepreneur, it's a bit more challenging because uh, we likely, um, starting out at least, don't have the, the ability to bring a bunch of volunteers, and we likely won't have the ability to uh, bring a bunch of money, at least initially, when you're starting out on your path. So um, you've got to get creative. Uh, you, Adam, host a meetup, many meetups. And one thing you could do is you could leverage the meetup and then have say, yeah, you know, I, I host a meetup. It's got X number of people. We, we do it X amount of time uh, a year or a month, whatever it is. And, you know, they're looking for an opportunity to give back as well, Mr. or Mrs. You know, board decision maker. Um, and so what I was thinking is uh, I, I could, you know, help coordinate some of that and we could bring some more volunteers your way. I just want to get more involved with your organization. I believe in it. As you know, I've been volunteering for X period of time. And, you know, eventually I'd like to be a board member and would like to talk to you about that as well. And so now you're going into the conversation, bringing them something that they need. And that is, that's valuable. Uh, and then uh, you could also do the donation thing. Uh, but uh, that's, um, you know, it, it's a bit more challenging when you're starting out. Um, now I have been recognized for junior achievement in Cincinnati. I got a, um, a pin last board meeting for the, the level of donations I've, I've done, uh, for junior achievement here, but I'm farther along in my business now. Um, and I, I didn't get that initially. Initially it was just selling them on, 
the ability to, um, I was volunteering, but I was also selling them on the ability for me to make more money in the future so that I can contribute more, uh, which obviously I have done. That is all been very beneficial so far, very valuable. So I, I am going to go into maximizing um, just to find out a little bit of the strategies that you have there to maximize, but just kind of go over what I've learned so far. You said, number one, it's most important that before you even volunteer that you're doing it with the right intentions that you're going in, you know, knowing that you're there to volunteer. Some of these other things naturally will happen, but start by going in with the correct uh, mindset. And then the second one was to identify exactly where you'd like to volunteer. So start looking at different volunteer organizations. You can Google it. You can literally go Google Cincinnati volunteer opportunities, Denver volunteering, LA volunteering. And you can start looking at some of the, some of what's out there and what's available. And then the third thing you said is just to start, just to actually get there and, and, and give, give of your time. The fourth one, which we went into a lot of detail and, and what you mentioned was just hugely beneficial, uh, especially for me. So thank you is to seek the board opportunities. And you gave some really great strategies on how we can get there by leveraging our network or our net, net worth. Um, and for instance, you gave us a, an idea of being able to utilize our podcast or our meetup group or our friends, or if we are a CFO or a CMO of a company to be, to be able to leverage like that company's network of people. Because as you stated, and it's so true, the people that are, um, that are in our meetups, that are listening to our podcast, we all have this innate uh, desire to give back. Human beings want to give back. They feel uh, better about themselves when they're, they're giving of their time or giving of their money, whichever they have, whichever resource they have available. The fifth thing that you mentioned was to maximize those efforts and uh, you know, I have a couple of ideas. One of my ideas for maximize, ma maximizing the efforts while you're there volunteering and with some of these other folks that are volunteering would be something like not to just go straight for the pitch, right? If, if you're just like um, wasting the time, in my opinion, going straight to everybody and saying, you know, do you have $50,000? I have a minimum of $50,000 in my next investment and you can get a 12% 15%, 20%, whatever, uh, return. Um, I feel like that would be the, the worst way to maximize the, your efforts as you're there. So if you could kind of share with us what, what you've done that have worked, that has worked for you as you're part of those board, uh, part of those boards or just part of volunteering that it, that actually helps you to be able to raise the money. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> So I, I will address, I will answer that question. Just, just, I just also want to mention that not all organizations in step two that you identify are ones that you want to continue to volunteer for um, because everyone likes to give back in their own way. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you a couple things I've done that I, I contributed to the greater good, but I was like, you know, I, I'm not sure I want to um, give back in this way. Um, and it was to 
manual labor things. <laughs> so I, it was one, it was a food kitchen where we were packing up a bunch of, of food and breaking down boxes and stuff, but we weren't interacting with the people who were receiving the food. It was, we were at a warehouse somewhere. And then the other um, was, oh, uh, washing cars for people who, uh, or, or no, it was oil changes. They were doing oil changes. And I, I don't know how to do the oil change on my own car. And I, I wasn't very um, helpful. I was just like running around, you know, acting. I, I was like the assistant to the assistant. And so I, I realized that how I love giving back is interacting directly with the, with the, with the person who I'm volunteering for. So hospice, for example, I, I go up to you know, the, the care center or their home, interact with them directly, have a direct conversation, junior achievement, I'm directly interacting. But some people, that might not be their thing. And so uh, I, I would sample different volunteer experiences and find out what's best for you. Because, and I would do multiple things before you pick your path. Um, so just want to mention that. Now, in, in terms of uh, when I'm volunteering, uh, what is my approach? I, I, play the, I, mean, I play the slow, long game. I mean, I, I, don't, I might not be the best example of how to do it because, I mean, I won't talk real estate unless they ask me about stuff. And even then, I mean, I'm not going to elaborate a whole lot unless they, they're asking me questions. I mean, I just care about the relationship and uh, only when they say, oh, well, you know, when you do, if you do a deal in the future, let me know, then I'll, I'll send them the information. We'll set up a call, but I, I won't, I, so here are some things I I don't do. I, I I won't be the one who brings up my investing stuff. Um, Number one, I won't find or look for opportunities to bring up what I'm doing. Um, I will ask them about what they're doing. I will get to know them. If I like them, I want a long-term partner or, you know, friendship with them. Uh, so I, I just, I mean, I just really am take it from the perspective that, uh, we're just human beings hanging out, volunteering, and just talking about wherever the conversation naturally leads to. And I don't look to fit it in to any aspect. Now that's, probably not the best best um in class example of how to do it so there i'm sure there are other things that you could cleverly do that would would um bring it up and also be feel like it's a natural um naturally natural thing to talk about but that's just not how i approach it to be honest i resonate more with how you're doing it than you know how we can theoretically discuss how it might be more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, just me personally, I feel like the strongest way to um, have investors, passive investors work with you over and over and over is to let them always bring it up. So, you know, you might strategically say, what do you do? But Hey, you would already be asking that. So, Hey, what do you do? Because there's this law called reciprocity and Oftentimes, it's difficult. Once you say, hey, Adam, what do you do? 
for me not to be like, well, I do this. What do you do? It's like, it would hurt my heart. (laughs) Some reason I could almost not even do it, right? Just, oh, I'm a real estate investor. And then you just like stop and you be quiet. It's like nearly impossible. Yes. By now you should know that one of the biggest things that brings me joy and happiness is to meet listeners of the show. That's why I do so many live events. I definitely want to meet you if you if you'd like to meet me and some of our speakers, some of our presenters that come to the Raising Money Summit. And just to name a few, we've got Corey Peterson, Jason and Peely Yarusi, Michael Blanc, Michael Becker, Adam Adams, Ellie Perlman, Kathy Fedke, Maureen Miles, Jillian Sadoti, Gene Trowbridge, Alina Trigab, Todd Dexheimer, Ramakrishna, Jeremy Roll, Chris Clothier, Matt Terrio, and Mark and Tamil Kenny. It's going to be awesome. I'll see you on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Just go to RaisingMoneySummit.com. And then if you want a big discount, just put in podcast because my podcast listeners get a giant discount because I am hosting that event. I'll see you October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. I try to only really ask the answer the question that was asked. I, I try to give them the, the information of what exactly they wanted to know. Maybe drop a couple things hoping that they'll ask again, but it's not like, oh, here's my op- golden opportunity. Now I can tell them that I give higher than average returns, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's just not something that I've ever done. Do you feel um, as you've, you've raised millions through volunteering and you've raised millions and millions and millions and millions through, um, you know, podcasting and hosting events and hosting your meetup and your conference, the best ever conference that's in Denver. I'm, I go every year, by the way, every single year. Um, all of these things combined, knowing everything that you do know, having this discussion about the long, slow play, the long game, the slow game. Um, not being overly, well, ambitious is an important thing, but I guess I'm saying overly concerned about getting, making sure every single person knows exactly what you're doing and that you've created this long drawn out elevator pitch to tell it to them and you're just waiting to strike. Um, Which one resonates more with you now that we've had a chance to kind of discuss it on this podcast? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a pod, there's a um, talk that Tim Ferriss did how to hack South by Southwest. And he talks about how he used South by Southwest to catapult his career. uh, And in particular, the four hour work week book. And he basically cliff notes version. You should definitely watch that video. If you haven't seen it, Adam, I know you've seen it, but others, if you haven't seen how to hack South by Southwest by Tim Ferriss on YouTube, 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 go go check that out, Joe. Uh, I ha- Joe, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I have seen that and I loved it. But how did you know that I had seen it? Because uh, well, I mentioned it at my keynote at the conference, so okay, I just okay. assumed that you had checked it out after the keynote. Um, yes, you're you are right. You sold- and, and uh, he talks about how his focus was creating one relationship a day at the conference that way you're not running around with your like a chicken with your head cut off you're just one relationship long-term relationship a day and that's what i that's the approach i take for conferences i just looking for one substantive long-term relationship that well that could be a long-term relationship uh being formed 
each day that I attend the conference and that's it. And it's such a breath of fresh air and a sigh of relief, especially for anyone out there who gets agita when they go to a conference and they just feel like they need to do all this stuff. Hey, one long-term relationship can change the trajectory of your entire career, your entire business. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the long, slow game, but I would argue that um, by playing that long, slow game, you're setting your business up for sustainable success. Whereas if you play the short game and you try and get that quick transaction, then uh, it's not as sustainable because you're only good as that particular transaction and, and you haven't set up the relationship the right way. And you know that's why you're interviewing me on you or on Facebook Live right now. That's why you do all the meetups. That's why you've got your podcast. That's why you know, you you you're the guy who um, people say you want to know how to run effective meetups. Go talk to Adam Adams because you know that through all these different touch points and people seeing you and getting to know you that you're building these relationships with, with people, even when they're not directly interacting with you. And then you're able to scale it, but you are still playing the long game because of all these different touch points that people have. Uh, so really it's just volunteering and taking that approach as a microcosm of the overall strategy that everyone should have whenever they're uh, raising capital for a syndication company or any type of company. Brilliant. And I would love that to be the very end. That was just an awesome ending. But you said this word that I didn't, I've never heard of, agita? Yeah, I learned that from Melissa Lentz. Uh, so, you know, you, you got, um, you got uh, apprehension, uh, nervousness, uh, you know, a, a pit in your stomach whenever you're going to, um, don't, to go into an event. And Melissa Lentz, she, she, I worked with her in advertising. Um, she's one of the smartest marketing minds that I know. And she's, I think she's heading up some large advertising agency right now, but yeah. Okay. So is Ajita like an acronym or is, is it a, no, no, it's it a actual word? Word. no, it's an actual word. You can, okay. can you spell it for me so I can look it up? Oh God. No, I can just okay, say Okay. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. All good. All good. I will look it up after this. Cause I'm, I'm super curious. Joe, You've done something a day that you constantly and continuously do day in and day out. You're adding a ton of value to a lot of people. I'm grateful for you. I've learned a lot from you. This book uh, literally will change people's lives. And when it comes to raising equity for deals, making sure that you're managing the deals right, knowing how to manage an investor list, anything that you want to do when it comes to syndication, well, I found the best ever apartment syndication book and uh, Joe Fairless and Theo Hicks wrote that and I think that'll be valuable to you. So go to Amazon, grab that and please give them a five-star rating and review. Let them know that I sent you. Joe, thanks for coming on. I super appreciate all the insight about what you're doing with volunteering and how you said uh, specifically that it is just one microcosm, one small piece of an overall picture that we need to be implementing to be able to be really, really effective, truly effective in this business. It's all in this book. Please go check it out. Best ever apartment syndication book by Joe Fairless and Theo Hicks. Until next time, my friend, think outside the box. 
Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their 9 to 5, wishing they had more time with their family. What most people want is to simply live the life that they choose and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example, who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract. And at 27 years old, was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system and hear stories from successful investors, all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone. Subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast.